and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss three by twos, the Vivian girls, and institutional racism. I don't want to waste one second, so let's get right into it. My guest today is one of my favorite people uh, and a, a, a consistent performer on Tomorrow. I'm, of course, talking about my old friend and arch nemesis, Michael Shane, the managing editor at uh, Bloomberg Digital, Bloomberg Media Digital, Bloomberg Digital slash media. Hi, Michael. Hi. <laughs> That's what this, I'm is best. The first, this is the first time you've ever described me as a nemesis. Yeah, you're a son of a bitch, and I'm going to take it's you real, down. It's a real I'm gonna strange I'm going to take you down to Chinatown, my man. <laughs> That's right. It's happening. Anyhow, I wanted to get you on because uh, one of the things that we do best is find a way to spend you know, e- easily like an hour and a half or two hours basically talking about nothing. It's the best. And I feel at this moment, I feel drained of, of, I feel drained. I feel like all of the things that are happening have been happening consistently for a very long time. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that sounds like our modern life. It's like the, it's like the galaxy, uh, S seven, you know, new phone from Samsung. I'm aware of it. Yeah. You know, it's just like the last phone from Samsung. Like the six and the five. It's, it got, it's like water. It's getting hey, water resistant. Hey, remember the, remember the galaxy Nexus? Those were the good old days. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just taking a sip of this uh, Johnny Walker Black Label, which oh. I'm having. My voice is a little shot, by the way. I've been, I'm in Los Angeles. I should set the stage a little bit here. Yeah, we're bi-coastal right now. Let's not get crazy. I'm in Los Angeles uh, at an Airbnb in Echo Park, which is That's something, the, this is it. completely out of character for me. How so? Well, I don't, I'm not like a guy who likes staying in other people's places. It is I'm, a little, I'm a man who a likes extreme yeah. luxury at a, at a luxury hotel. Mm-hmm. You, you'll find me at the at the bar ordering a double of uh, a double of Macallan 18 at uh, Westin in Atlanta. <laughs> do you know how much that costs, by the way? If you Macallan do, Macallan 18. If you accidentally order a double of Macallan 18 at the Westin right. in Atlanta, let me the, guess the airport me, Westin. Okay, it's an airport Westin, a double of Macallan 18. Yeah, I'm gonna go with eighty seven dollars. You're very close. It was, I think it was eighty. I think it was eighty. Man, and then you that's, got a, you got a tip. Yeah, no, you got a tip, you know. and you can't like when you well, do something you like do? that. Yeah, you can't do, do the you, know, you can't do the one dollar per drink. The bartender you, wasn't her fault that I'm a stupid person. You know no. what am I going to do? Be like, here's a buck. Well, and the thing is, when you order a, a drink like that, I think I tip you like have to, you have you have to tip like a person. Yeah, then who then you look drink. like then you look like a guy. You're like okay, I'm so it's got to be like twenty percent. I'm, I'm this guy. I wasn't twenty percent. It was like a ten dollar tip or something. Yeah. Wait, wait. Is that twenty percent? Of 80? No. No. What's 20% of 80? Man, I'm really, my brain is fried right now. You got to be careful out there in LA, man. No, I'll tell you what happened. Let me tell you what, what's going down. Okay. I got out here for some meetings mm-hmm. and then uh, some other meetings came out of the blue. Ooh. I was Sarah- supposed to come back. I was supposed to come back uh, over the weekend, just come back, you know, on Friday or whatever. Right. And uh, some other meetings came up like early in the next week. And I was like, I hate flying. I don't know if everybody knows this about me. You might know this about me. Oh, I know. I, tr- I greatly, greatly dislike flying. Well, it's very difficult for you because you're such a, a tall, large human specimen. Yeah, but it's not just the seat. Yes, the seating arrangements are an issue, but it's not just yeah. the seating arrangements. It's also that uh, whenever the plane has any turbulence or there's anything mm-hmm. that seems uh, unusual, yeah. I... Um, I get 100% sure that we're dying. We're going, I'm going to die and the plane is going to crash. Yeah. And so, you know, like I, and no matter what, I know statistically and all this bullshit, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't have any right. impact on me. 
Now, I, let me ask you a question. Yeah, please do. Do you have uh, global entry or TSA pre-check or one of those situations? No, I don't. I actually, a funny story. It's not that funny. Actually, this is not even remotely funny, but I'm going <laughs> to tell it anyhow. Uh, when I was at Bloomberg, I had a, uh, an assistant at Bloomberg, a guy named Tate Foster. Uh, love Tate. Who's still there. Tate, if you're listening to this, we love you. He's great. And Tate was like, I was like, Tate, I need to get uh, the, not global entry, but the TSA pre, mm -hmm. which is the one you really want to get. Yeah. And he's like, okay, they've got, uh, you can, you, cause you have to do an interview. Correct. Cause they have to be sure you're not a terrorist. Yeah. By getting face to face with you. Absolutely. I have a follow-up story to this actually. And um, I said, okay, let's get, let's book it. You know, he said, okay, the, 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 the next, uh, the next meeting uh, they can give you the next appointment is in November. It was like November, you know, it was November of last year. But mm -hmm. when he told me this, it was like July. Oh, man. <laughs> or something like that. Well, it's a very popular service. Well, right. So I forgot about it. I was like, yeah, book it. And then I completely forgot about it. And he, okay. he didn't remind me. Actually, right. this might be Tate's fault. So I never went to get the, the – but they didn't make it easy. I mean, it wasn't like you can't just like, oh, it'll be next Tuesday. You know, They have like right. three people apparently who do the interviews and that's it. Yeah. And if you, don't get, if you don't get in with those three people, you're finished. Anyhow, my follow-on story is I've been riding in, in a lot of Ubers in L.A. I finally mm -hmm. got a rental car because I was like, oh, I'm stuck here. You need a car. Right. Hold on. I'm going to take a sip of this Johnny Walker. One second. Mm. 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 I, should, I should say Johnny Walker, not a sponsor of tomorrow. Though they should be. I'm happy to uh, – I would ha be happy to engage in a conversation with Johnny Walker's brand managers, brand ambassadors mm. yeah. about a sponsorship. Because you know, in my old age, in my yeah, but they're brand influencers. Because you know, my old age, I switched to. Uh, well, I haven't fully switched. Let's put it this way: when I went to the uh, bodega slash liquor store here in Echo Park, okay. I got I got uh, some vodka and some Black Label. Because I was going to say, you if never you're know off what direction. Of, if you're off vodka sodas, I'm worried. You never know where the night's going to take you. Yeah. You know, when you're alone in a house in a strange place, you never know if you're going to get drunk on brown liquor. Or clear liquor. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing about Airbnbs is there's there's two kinds of Airbnbs, right? There's the Airbnb, which is like they're clearly running a side business and no no normal person actually lives there full time. Yeah. And then there's the Airbnb where you're like definitely in someone's house mingling with their dust and, yeah. you know. I think I'm in, I think I'm in the one? Airbnb where I think this is somebody's place here's my here's my guess based on what by the way if anybody who's listening to this thinks this is interesting you're a real champion i think <laughs> that um this is somebody who uh they have good taste first off i mean it's kind of like shabby chic but they've got good taste mm. uh i think this is somebody who bought this place and was uh like marginally successful doing something and then got more successful doing something and I'm thinking they're like a screenwriter or a director because there are some books here that suggest it's a person who's researching very specific things. Oh, interesting. It might be a designer of some type. At any rate, I think that uh, they had this place. They probably were like renting it maybe like monthly, like doing leases with people. Mm -hmm. They don't think they live here. And I think they decided, hey, let's turn it into a right. – So you think it's like an investment property of sorts? I don't know if investment property is the word that I would use to describe it. What it feels like to me is they lived here and then like – Upgraded. They upgraded and instead of mm. selling this place, they're like, hey, you know what? I think I'll rent it out. And that's what they do now. And that is that is the end of the story about who that's I think owns this riveting. Airbnb. That's riveting. Yeah, that's some of my best shit right there. That is some primo <laughs> A1 uh, – 
prime JT. Well, look, so let's go back to the the global entry thing because here's what I can oh, tell let's, you. Please, let's do go black back to it. If you have TSA PreCheck or Global Entry, yeah. it is worth every penny. Yeah. And it it does take the edge off of the brutal dehumanization that goes along with flying commercial air is in the de- United States. Is dehumanization of a word? Hold on. I'm I'm pretty sure. It feels like it isn't. Dehumanization. Humili- how did you use it? The The dehumanization. Dehumanization is a word. Most of the words I say are words. Oh, it's definitely a word. It is. Okay, good. Congratulations. Yeah. But it's always good to check. We got to keep, we gotta keep our, uh, each other here's honest. What we, here's what we know. Here's what I can okay. tell you about myself. I yeah. don't know what 20% of 80 is, and, <laughs> and I do not know that dehumanization was actually a word. So That's I think right. we're learning some pretty interesting stuff about but, Josh. But Polk. now you do know that you should do TSA pre-check or global entry. I'm laying down right now. Can you really? tell? Does my voice sound different? No, it sounds exactly the well, same. Well, I was sitting up and then I was like, I'm in this bedroom because it's the it's the most soundproof place in the yeah. in the yeah. establishment. I live and in New York. My New York City apartment is not soundproof at oh, all. You sound good though. You sound great. As everybody knows. But uh so I was like sitting here and then I was like, why don't I just lay down? You're on a Tempur-Pedic right now, you said. It is a Tempur-Pedic. They have a Tempur-Pedic in this bedroom. Now, is this is this the same type of Tempur-Pedic that you personally have? I have no fucking idea. I'll be honest with you. I don't know which one I have. Oh. Uh, I know that it's pretty comfortable, although I've been starting to think lately maybe it's not as comfortable as I thought it was. Hmm. I but always enjoyed it. When it gets – wow. When it gets warm, <laughs> uh, we should probably say why. We should explain that. We should Can explain we that. But hold on. When it gets warm – here's the thing about a Tempur-Pedic they don't tell you. They don't really – you don't really understand this. I like a very firm bed. I like a bed that's okay. firm but forgiving. Uh, yes. But, you know, when it gets warm, the Tempur-Pedic gets soft. Oh, it gets softer as it your softens. body eats it? No, 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 no. It's not like your body. Well, yes, your body does contribute. But when the temperature is warm, oh, when it's warm outside, right. the bed gets softer. Interesting. And when it's cold, the thing is like a fucking rock. It's like a cold, hard rock when it's cold. Now, which do you prefer? The you rock. Prefer the, I the prefer hard, the rock. Hard, yeah. I mean, yeah. the rock is tough to get into, though, because it's like, you know, you get into it and it's so shockingly cold. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, it just is, it's like, you know, it's like a cold blooded animal. The, yeah. the Tempur-Pedic is like a frog in many ways. Yeah. You know, it, it, its temperature rises and falls with the, with the outside, mm. the air temperature. Now, I have a, a Tufton needle. Yeah. How do you like, oh, I, we have Tufton needles. We have, in our I guest rooms, it. we have Tufton, Tufton I love needles. It. Not a sponsor of the podcast. No, actually, but I, love I, it. I actually, I haven't looked, I'm fairly certain now that we're saying this <laughs> and I'm going to get to it. I think that Casper is a sponsor oh. of uh, either this show or the next one. I'm not sure. But, you know, I will say, I have to say something. Casper and, and Tufton Needle, this is not, by the way, driven by any sponsorship uh, mm-hmm. interest. You know, Tufton Needle and Casper came, I feel like they showed up around the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think Casper has done a much better job with the marketing. Oh, they have. They're they, everywhere. Yeah, they got ads everywhere. I mean, we're, It makes know, me want, I'm like, why didn't I get a Casper? Well, I got a Tufton needle, honestly, because it was a little less expensive and they basically seemed about the same. They're going to eat me alive when they hear this. The Casper people are going to go oh, crazy. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, look, I'm not endorsing any any products, okay? That's true. I'm but, just telling you what's going on out there. Yeah. But I will Great. say, if you don't buy a Casper, someone's probably going to murder you. Yeah, they're going to come to your house. I think what happens is if you don't get a Casper, they kill you. Mm, not Casper. Not Casper. No, someone does. Other people. Yeah. They know you blew it. So speaking of good oh, God. Uh, the editing subway on this, advertising. The editing on this episode is going to be epic. No, you're not going to edit any of it. Yeah, Straight you're right. Through, you're right. I'm, not, you're right. I'm not going to um, edit. That's true. Two really great ad campaigns in the New York City subway right now. Tell me if you've seen these. 
Uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not on the subway very much, but that's true. Now that you live in the sticks, that's right. But you, you come into the no. Dirty I mean, sticks. I'm on the subway sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm actually. I just okay. Go ahead. Tell me about the ads. I mean, you're busy switching between the town car and the the helicopter. And I, 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 I town car. I mean, if let's. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna listen. If I were the kind of person you're describing, they <laughs> they stopped making the town car in like 2013. Okay. Now I know this because I do take a lot of. Um, ubers and uber mm-hmm. out here they have a thing called uber select which is like uber black mm. but it's like it, it's weird it's like it, it's like uber black but it's not but the cars are much nicer hmm. That's and good. it's cheaper but it's cheaper but here's the thing uh i was just talking to a driver i do have this conversation all the time with drivers about the town car because in my opinion the town car has the nicest ride in the back seat Far oh, and so away. Much, so much room. Far, it's, but it's, it's not just the room. It's a better ride. It's really smooth. I get mm. very car sick. It's a very yeah. smooth ride. And I got to tell you, all of these new fucking luxury cars, the, the BMWs, the, the Mercedes, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Audis, uh, I'm gonna, I think are a little bit better. But most of them have a pretty bumpy ride in the back. Yeah. And I was in a BMW the other day. And it was like, not only was the ride bad, but- the ceiling, the ceiling, the roof was so low that I had to sit like in the middle of the back seat. Oh wow! That's because, like because like on the nightmare. side I couldn't. Yeah, my head was hitting the side of like where the window was. Wow. Anyhow, listen, I'm this is this is the kind of this is the kind of champagne problems that I'm experiencing. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, do you I'm- hear the shit that's coming out of my mouth? <laughs> The I want to tell you about the subway I, the, I was, it. I know, I want to hear, but it's just, just listen, just listen to me for that. I mean, I am when they start the beheadings. <laughs> I'm going to be first. I'm going to go first in line. They're going to push me right look, up to the front of the line. Look, you're oh, just the doing BMW, your to... the BMW I was in had very low, a very low roof. Like, <laughs> what a horrible person I am. I mean, you're just doing your part to support and, and further the service economy. You know what? It's all about the sharing economy. And I'm look, it's I'm not sharing, your fault. You're like seven feet tall. I'm sharing the hell out of several luxury cars hmm. every day. Anyhow, tell me about these subway ads. Oh, so I just, I want to know if you've seen these, there's two campaigns running right now. One of them is for street easy and one of, and the other one is the seamless. And they're all, I love the, all, anytime a subway ad like goes out of its way to use quirky illustration or like hand lettering mm-hmm. combined with like inside baseball, New York city jokes. What is the thing again? There's one for street easy, you uh-huh. know, the app yeah, where you can yeah. find apartments. Sure. And also not uh, a sponsor. No, not a sponsor. As far as I know. Uh, and the other is for Seamless, also not a sponsor. You okay. know, Seamless for food delivery. Yeah, I'm aware of Seamless. Yeah. I, I wish I wish Seamless were a sponsor. Yeah. I use Grubhub, though, because they have Yummy Rummy, which I think they own. I think Seamless owns Grubhub. No, it's the same thing, but with Grubhub. Yeah, what did you, you say? What did you, get you yummy say? Yummy Rummy. What is Yummy Rummy? So you can basically Jesus. win discounts on food. Why would How would you do that? Like, well, sometimes it's it's after a certain number of orders. Sometimes they just send you stuff. But other times, and you'll now know why I love this, they, there's four cards on the screen. One of the cards is a peppermint. One is a slice of chocolate cake. And I can't remember the other two, but you pick a card at random and it might contain a discount on your next order. So it really appeals to the degenerate gambler in all of us. Ooh, well, the degenerate gambler in you. Uh, now I'm going to remind the audience for those that don't know that Mike, Michael Shane – is uh he can count cards that's a, that's an exaggeration Let's he be. basically can count cards he's like <laughs> rain man at a at a casino <laughs> michael shane i mean he's probably been banned from some casinos in las vegas he will win money at a blackjack table like you can kind of bet on michael <laughs> to win money i should start a secondary market on you and i mean bet and bet that you're going to win 
you and I should. We should. That wouldn't be very effective. Now that we don't have to go to CES anymore, we should. We still should go to Vegas once a year. Just never say never. You never know. I'm sure you never know when we might be back at CES. I might. I I know people at South by Southwest right now, and I really am feeling for them. There's so many brands. There's so many brands with so many good ideas. And I just say, I've been speaking of brands with good ideas. Mm. I've been in LA now for a few days, and I've noticed something that is troubling to me. Hit me. And maybe this is just because I don't go out that much, or maybe it's just a different vibe out here than New York. People are fucking taking selfies all the time. Everywhere I go, people are taking selfies. Yeah. Everybody's taking selfies. Like, not, by the way, like, it's not just like, you know, dickheads on, um, you know, walking up and down like, you know, uh, Abbott Kinney in, in Venice Beach, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is like this hip kind of you know, strip of, it's actually, it's actually very nice to be honest with you. There's little <laughs> shops and restaurants and things, but you know, it's not just like the people that you would expect, like people making duck faces and stuff, you know? Okay. Like it's everybody. Like, like, no, it's, it's, it's this like, very I, weird... like I saw a guy, I saw a guy, he was like t- hauling garbage and then he stopped and started taking a selfie. He was kind of doing like a duck face. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like in LA there's this thing where everybody's just doing it. Think, I'm very, I'm very worried about the future of our species. I'm worried. I'm worried too. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, and I've contributed. I mean, listen, uh, who, who here has contributed more to getting people excited about uh, smartphones than I have? And right. I have to say, I think, I think I've damaged some people. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not taking, look, well, I haven't had much of an impact, but I'm saying like, look, I've been spending the last, you know, 10 years or whatever talking about how great technology is. And mm-hmm. now look at what's happened. You but know? look, with great power Te- comes great responsibility. <laughs> Texting you know? and driving, selfies, the sharing economy. I mean, look, Josh, if you if you didn't take a selfie of it, it didn't happen. You know what? That doesn't even make any sense. Your memories are selfies like not a selfie is not even a thing. I mean, it's not even like it's not even to document. You're just documenting yourself. I'm not. I don't have a problem with it, by the way. Like I, I, I'm sure you can find some some ascent, what would essentially amount to a selfie of me on social media, um, but. You know, I try to keep my selfies limited to peach, but I do an occasional Instagram mm, thing. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I do, I do worry. I do worry that uh, it's all meaningless. You know, like what are we doing this for? The what selfies. Is this, what is, this, all, per, like what is this performance for? It's like somebody had a bad idea a little while back. It was like we should be on these things called social networks, and we should all get connected up and ha- form these relationships. And we should be constantly trying to like showcase the best version of ourselves. I think there is something not good about it. I'm not saying I just, I'm not saying I just had this realization, but I do think that like increasingly it looks like you walk around. I'm not, and I'm not an old person here, but you walk around and it feels like a fucking parody. I mean, maybe it's just LA, but it's like a parody. It's like, I don't think it's just LA. I don't know. It's like, are you in on the joke? Like, do you know what this looks like? People are so busy curating their lives yes that they're not living they forget man. to live them here yeah. i have a question for yeah, you yeah, and this is this is a, actually sort of an, an anthropological question Please. which i'm sure you you know the actual answer to i'm loving it uh for the sake of our listeners yeah here's here's a question so what came first the selfie or the front-facing camera do you remember well, like do you remember the I, order yeah, like how pe- that came were, to happen people were well for i don't think the front-facing camera i think there were phones with front-facing cameras but uh, before like, the, like selfies have been around forever though. I mean, you have to understand the depth, like what do we, what, what, whatever we think is a selfie, however we define it. I mean, there have been versions of selfies for hundreds, if not thousands of years. 
This is true. I'm Googling I mean, I mean, selfies I mean, in history I mean, right now. I'm telling you, like, like, that's not new. It's not new that people want to see themselves or show people themselves like that in that way, you know? Yeah. Ooh, a lot of artists, a lot of yeah. artists painted, you know, pictures of themselves. Like, uh, there, you could think of this in a lot of different ways. I'm just saying there's something really vacant about the current, but, but like the current state of, of selfiedom, you know? Like, there's something, there's something... Like, I get it. Like, you want to look at good-looking people or people in, like, situations that you like, right? Sure. Or, like, if somebody's, like, involved in a plane crash or they survive, you and they do a selfie of themselves standing outside the wreckage. Like, I want to <laughs> see that. And I'm happy to see that they've documented themselves in that situation because, you know, good, good kudos. Good you know, for you. You made it. Yeah. I just think – but I do think there is something um, – I don't know. I don't know. It just it's just like when you see someone out in public doing it, it's a little embarrassing. Well, the thing that's interesting to me about selfies is how how much like the composition of the selfie is is a is a result of the technology being used, right? So like when you use cell phones to take selfies, they're yeah. often from this very high angle, which has has come about because people are trying to take well, the most better angle. Photo you know of them, this is right? as a, as a photo photographer. But, you, know. you know, I I finally got around to watching the the documentary um, Finding Vivian Mayer. Oh, uh, about the did you did you ever see this? No, you should definitely watch I know it. It's of amazing. It. I'm aware of it. Um, it's a do for those who don't know, it's a documentary about a, a trove of hundreds of thousands of photos and negatives that were discovered, um, taken by this woman throughout her whole life where she spent most of her professional life as a nanny, but she obsessively, uh, took photos the whole time. And there's a ton of like really beautiful and haunting selfies in this collection, but they were all taken with a Roloflex, which is that camera that you actually, usually you see people holding it uh, around their stomach because they look down and the viewfinder is at the top of the camera, right? So all the selfies taken with that are from a much more like neutral angle, which is a totally different aesthetic. It's really interesting. Everyone should see that documentary and also think about why selfies look the way they do. That's She's it. sort of like, um, I want to say Henry Darger is the artist's name. He's, uh, there's a documentary about him. It may, I should Google this. I think it's Henry Darger. Mm. There's a documentary called In the Realms of the Unreal. If, if if you, I maybe have talked about this before, but if people who are listening to this have not seen this documentary, immediately stop what you're doing. Stop listening. No, don't stop listening to this. But when this is over, go and watch it. I'm sure it's on Netflix. I'm Googling right now. In it the is, Realms of it, the Unreal. It is narrated by Dakota Fanning when she's Ooh. very young. Like, uh, she's very young. And she narrates it. And this guy was like, he is like the king of outsider artists. Here's hmm. the deal. I mean, I'll give you the, I'll give you the broad strokes because you have to see the, I mean, everybody, anybody who's curious about the world and life should see this documentary. It's one of the most amazing films I've ever seen. Wow. Um, this guy was like a janitor at like a, at a school or something for his whole life. Yeah. And everybody thought like, oh, he's this weird kind of like simple or whatever dude. And meanwhile, he was creating this vast, vast catalog of like writings and art and all of these crazy things about A 15,000 page yes, fantasy he, manuscript. He wrote a 15,000 page book about the, I think they're called the Vivian Girls. Yes. Well, it's, it's a very, like this, here, you want me to read the full title for you? Yeah. It is. The story of the Vivian girls in what is known as the realms of the unreal of the Glendeco Angelinian war storm caused by the child slave rebellion. Yeah, it is. Uh, 
I mean, I'm just I'm getting chills just remembering some of it. It is an amazing film, but like to see what this guy was doing on his own, alone, no expectation of anyone ever seeing it, completely for himself, basically. It's disturbing. It's like beautiful. It's so it's like completely haunting. Like the I'm gonna entire, check this out. You have to watch it. I mean, I have to say, like, uh, I I feel like I've talked about it before on the podcast, but maybe not. But um, it it is really you know unlike anything. But it's very similar to what you're talking about, you know, in the sense that when you, you know, it, what's, what's strange is, is we make everything is, everything is performative now, right? Everything yes. is performance, you know, what we create and why we create it often, most often is for an audience. And, uh, you know, this is sort of getting, you know, going back to the selfie conversation, I, but it's like, that doesn't always have to be the way you make things, Right. Like mm-hmm. I think I do think that we've lost some of the pleasure of doing something for yourself or being um, look looking inward versus looking outward or, Absolutely. or or looking inward without the expectation that other people will be looking. I mean, think about it like this: Can you name one thing in your life that you do that brings you pleasure? Oh boy! That that never that never other than that thing <laughs> yes. that never is that you never share in some digital way? Is there a hobby that you have or a habit or something mm, you do mm, that's that, a great question. that has never made its way into your smartphone? I, I'm trying to think about it for myself. And even the things like, that like I how, love, I mean, you mean like, even if you share a picture or whatever of that thing, right? Like, is there anything that, that, that you love that's important? That's an important part of your life that you have never brought into the digital world. I'm trying to think about it for myself. And even the things that I love that most people don't even know about me, hobbies or whatever, there's some evidence of all of it somewhere on the internet. Right. No, I, I mean, just thinking, that's an interesting question. Thinking about it, I couldn't say that that I had, there's anything. Right. Um, That's a weird feeling, right? In some ways it's like there aren't, there's really, there's, there's no secrets anymore. We should take, I want to take a break. Ooh, sponsor time? And ponder this. You've just made me realize something. Yeah. I hope I come back after the break. Please come back. (laughs) All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with more thought-provoking, deep, introspective uh, uh, thought from Michael Shane. Sunday night, man. Got to beat back the dawn. Wow. That's poetic. Like any smart modern person, you're probably doing things to improve your health all the time. Uh, one of the things that's very popular, something I've done recently, is juicing, which is you know making delicious beverages from vegetables or from fruit. Uh, the thing is, it's kind of messy. It's very labor intensive. Uh, it takes time, you know. But there are ways to get the benefits of juicing without the hassle of juicing which is where Organifi green juice comes in. You don't have to shop for a bunch of random items. You don't have to juice it yourself. You don't have to blend it, and you don't have to clean it up, which to me is the best possible thing. Uh, and it tastes really good. You know, It's a delicious beverage that's right there waiting for you. And you'll feel a lot better after you drink it. Organifi is vegan, organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, 
There's really nothing in it but good stuff. So it's a really easy way to stay healthy if you're super busy or if you're like always on the go. Like I never have time to do anything. So grabbing this is the perfect, it's a perfect situation for me. It has a special ingredient, which I'd never heard of before called ashwagandha, which apparently has been shown in clinical studies to lower cortisol, which is a stress and fat storage hormone and increase energy and improve your focus. So listen, you can try this out right now. Just go to OrganifiShop.com slash tomorrow. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P dot com. And you can get 20% off if you use the coupon code tomorrow. Organifi is so confident that you'll love it, they'll let you try it completely risk-free for 30 days. It's backed by an empty bottle guarantee, so if you don't like it, even if you send them an empty bottle back, you'll still get a refund. So go to OrganifiShop.com slash tomorrow and enter coupon code tomorrow. That's Organifi. It ends with an I, shop.com slash tomorrow. Guys, everybody knows good things come in sets of three. What does it have to do with anything? Well, get this. March is the third month of the year, and it also happens to be our friends over at Harry's three-year anniversary as a business. And if you're new to Harry's, I've got a very special deal for you to try three of their expertly crafted five-blade German razors, a handle, and shave cream for just $10 with the offer code Joshua. I forced them to use the offer code Joshua, which I was pretty excited about. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about Harry's, but uh, one of my best friends just started using their razors, uh, and that dude with a very like thick beard, or at least he had a very thick beard, and he said like it's the best shave that he's ever had. Uh, now, I don't know anything about his other shaves, but I can tell you that he was effusive about uh, what's going on with Harry's. Uh, you know, so, so what's the, so what's the big deal? Like, why does it, what is so special about Harry's? Well, first off, it's the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. They've got German engineered five blade cartridges for a close, comfortable shave. Uh, they'll refund the razors if you're not happy with them. They have factory direct prices. They cut out the middleman and they ship them right to your door. So they sell their blades at half the price of the leading brand. And over a million people have already made the switch to Harry's and thousands more are switching every day. So look, don't pay $32 for a pack of eight blades when you can get them for half the price at Harry's. The Harry's Starter Set is an amazing deal. For just 15 bucks, you get a razor, uh, moisturizing shave cream, and three blades. So why are you waiting? Don't wait any longer. Just go, just go do this. They don't like to discount their stuff, but they are discounting them just for you, just right now. They'll give you $5 off your first order with promo code Joshua. So stop overpaying for a great shave. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter Joshua at checkout. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. Do it for your face. And we're back with Michael Shane. Uh, we were just on some very deep stuff. We're talking about uh, uh, something you do in private besides yeah. masturbating. Uh, do you share it with the world? Are Which you sharing everyone it? does and is healthy well, and we normal. Don't know. We don't know. I mean, some people might not, you know. Some That's cool. That's say, your choice. That's it's cool. not for you me. You. It's not you for me. You. I don't enjoy a physical sexual mm-hmm. pleasure. That's fine if that's how you feel. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. On the other Here, hand, I've, I've I'm, a, I'm a sex addict. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, self, everyone knows self that. Facing sex addict. As we know, as we were saying, everyone knows that because there is no, there are no secrets anymore. Here, I actually, actually, I'll say, I think, I think, sex is one of those. I think for most people, 
on that point, I think sex is one of those things where people do not, and by the way, I think rightfully so, and absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, as it should be, that's a, that's a very intimate part of their lives that they would sure. never share. Most people would never, ever share in any social setting. Absolutely. It, you know, of online, course. on on the internet or otherwise. Right. Now you've got, well, obviously, I'm, the internet, I think the internet has encouraged and allowed for more sharing. And I will say, I think that's a positive thing. I think that, you know, when you look at how quickly the, you know, attitude on gay marriage changed in this country and our yeah. attitudes on, uh, on transgender people and on just L- LGBT stuff in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. I like to refer to it as human rights. Yeah, human rights. I think that <laughs> that, I think the internet has been an amazing tool to um, change people's ways of thinking and sure. to expose them to things. And that is where, like, by the way, like the flip side of selfie culture is like this sharing, like the the sharing culture that exists on the internet has allowed for voices that are not heard and people that are not seen to yeah. speak up and to be noticed and to be into matter. And that's incredible. You know, well, there's, there's absolutely a f- an aspect to it. That's really beautiful. I mean, I remember this past new year's, I was killing time. Uh, cause I wasn't out partying cause I'm, you know, I get very you're tired. Very, you're a very boring guy. Uh, but I was looking at Snapchat and I was f- flicking through the new year's story. Right. And, and like, as I've tweeted at least five times before, the moment I knew I was old was when I downloaded Snapchat and didn't immediately intuitively understand the interface. So I don't use it that often. Well, I it's not that it's actually not that intuitive an interface. Well, it does have it does have a really simple it does have a really simple sort of onboarding. Yeah. Like I mean, actually it's sort of stupidly obvious, like the basic things you can do with Snapchat. Right. But it's actually it's it's more complex than that, and the complexity exactly. is not well uh message. So anyway, I was, I had a really wonderful experience because I was browsing the New Year story and in, uh, you know, in, in chronological order, following New Year celebrations from all around the world, totally raw, first person, just from people. Um, and that was really cool. And that was really special. Uh, but you know, I have a, I would challenge everyone listening to this podcast. If you were fortunate enough to take a, uh, to, to be able to take a vacation at some point in the next couple of months. See if you can do it without posting on social media at all. See what happens. Yeah, it's tough. Right? It is tough. I do find that, um, I don't know, I think because of what I do and who I am, I I have a much easier time completely ignoring social media. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely very easy for me to just not pay attention to it at all. Do you and think that's because it's been so much a part of your professional life? That oh it's yeah, no, I do. And, and particularly yeah. now that in the the current period where I've had downtime, where I haven't had to be 24 seven news cycle, right. uh, I have found that it's much easier to tune it out. I actually now I'm like for the first time in, in a very long time, I know what it's like for most normal people who are not like weird nerds like me you know who haven't mm-hmm. been psychotically plugged into this thing yeah. and and it's sort of it's interesting to see and maybe this is what's giving me my like current uh uh reflection on you know the sort of current uh mood of reflection that i have um on social media and on the way that we interact with each other but mm-hmm. yeah i mean i do think my yeah of course if you're a person who used to wake up in the middle of the night sure that there was a news story breaking <laughs> you know, I mean, I used to, I mean, I don't do this anymore, but there was definitely a, a, several years where I would wake up at like two or three in the morning and I would just check because I always felt like something's happening, you know, yeah. something's happening somewhere. Um, anyhow, 
By the way, there's a great Tumblr, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people follow. It's called This Isn't Happiness. I think it's run by a guy named Pitsky. Mm. And uh, he's an incredible curator. He does a, he does a uh, – every once in a while he'll do, a, I think, a, like a photo. Uh, he'll curate photos, and it's like something happening somewhere is his, like, title that he uses for those sets. And mm-hmm. it's really – he's a really, really uh, – has an amazing eye. Uh, editorial and just sort of curatorial eye. Um, a lot of en- a lot of endorsements of things that people should There's look a, at. This is a lot. This is really beautiful stuff. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, you see, yeah. Um, it's really, I wish it, there was. I wish there was a way for me to like commit to a Tumblr. Yeah. Without using Tumblr. Yeah, there is. You can. What's the best these way? Are, a lot of these are available. You can plug them into Feedly and get. A, oh, okay. That's what I do. I don't look at Tumblr. I mean, right. I almost, I almost never look at Tumblr itself. I take the Tumblr blogs that I like and I put them into Feedly, uh, and I'm pretty sure I, I, whether it's a Tumblr thing or something else, they're all available. Uh, I mean, they're available for the most part in Feedly. I haven't, I don't think I've found one that isn't. This is great. I think I'm going to make this I part can't of my. You've never thought now. of that. That's shocking to me. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, makes I'm a simple. Makes you seem really. stupid. Makes you seem like a very stupid. Here, I'm person. gonna, I'm gonna follow this guy on Twitter. Uh, he's great. I mean, he's like a hugely popular Tumblr guy. I mean, yeah, my, my, it's my impression. But he's one of these great Tumblr curators. And you know, Tumblr, it's in this, it's so weird. It's like at Yahoo, and I think people feel like it's, it's sort of been lost in the sea yeah. of, of new, of new social networks. And yet, and yet, Tumblr still is like the best for certain things. And I think there that are certain, yeah, there's certain curating, things that are so great. Curating visual, like single visual hits yeah it's like tumblr is still the best i don't know why i don't know why that is i don't know i mean it's i think it's the simplicity of of the of the interface and the simplicity of like how the thing was built yeah it just is such an amazing there is no better like on the last podcast i talked to sylvia killingsworth in the last podcast Mm -hmm. and i was like how's tumblr doing sort of saying like it's not doing that great and and i think that i do think that our the view is i mean it was a write down at yahoo they basically lost money on it right and you know as a business I think there's a real question mark as like about what Tumblr. Well, there's you know, that it's, question mark surrounds all of Yahoo. Well, all right? of Yahoo, right? But you know, it's, I, I think Instagram stole a lot of Tumblr's thunder. It's a very mm. hard sentence to say. I just want to say, like, what I <laughs> those words that I put together were very difficult. And I thought I wasn't going to make it. Um, and so, you know, you, there's a question about like, well, how come Tumblr? How come Tumblr didn't do Instagram? You know? Yeah. Uh, and I think I understand why. There's a really interesting, vibrant community of people on Tumblr. Well, who are I also feel like Tumblr, Tumblr is somehow like more – when I look at Instagram, it feels like very tight. Like there's not a lot of emotional yeah, or no intellectual ver- space well, there's no variety. There's no assets. There's very right. little variety on Instagram. I've tried to follow people on Instagram who are not in my immediate circle who are doing interesting things mm-hmm. because I want to see what else is out there. You know, I'm yeah. – yeah, but I do. I do think there's a, a there's a tremendous um, sameness to the offerings. Instagram forces you into a kind of yes. Thinking. That's a great point. And Tumblr, it's just there's so much variation, and I feel like there's like a you lot. You can share of, a GIF as easily as you share a picture or a video yeah. or whatever, and it just is like this really open. This this is what I like about Peach. And I talk about I've talked about Peach a few times. I don't know if you're yeah. using Peach or not. I'm not actually, and not Peach yet. Is, Peach is interesting because it's like it's like Tumblr meets Snapchat meets twitter like if you could combine those things if you were to like but also there's other weird things that it does like it has games like weird it's fucking weird man mm. peach is like if like maybe i'll weird, check it out peach is like if weird twitter made a twitter 
Although at this point, I've lost certainly any good opportunity to get a decent username, so I, I should just quit. I mean, the usernames of some of the people I know have are incredible. Um, you know, the thing I like about Tumblr is that there's – I'm a big fan of negative space. I'm, I'm constant, constantly – That's a great – I'm going to put a lot of negative space. On, I'm going to make sure that's on your gravestone. Thank you. I'm a big fan uh, of but, negative space. But, I love tumblers like this one. We're talking about this isn't happiness because it's a it's beautiful. It's a single column, and if they choose the right color for the background of the page, everything is just in service to what's there, and you don't feel like the the design of of what you're looking at is is trying to rush you through consuming what's yeah, but, there. But simplicity is annoying in a way. I mean, I my my no look aesthetically, obviously, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But simplicity is simple. Like I get it. You know, it's, it's not, it's a stupid thing to say, but the reality is, you know, of course, simplicity works. You know, what I think is, is harder to pull off, but really, really interesting and vital mm -hmm. is, 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 um, is, com is complexity is, is in design. I mean, you know, of course, what do you, you think has been done really great job of that recently? Well, it's very little. I mean, you look at the things that I've like been involved in, you know, like if you look at the verge or Bloomberg or mm -hmm. like even the Engadget redesign that we did, they're like highly, they're trying, they're, they're an attempt at highly complex design with, with, um, you know, with a sort of underlying organizational structure yeah. that, that makes it useful. I do think, but I look at design now and I think, you know, I find, uh, simplicity to be vexing let me ask you a question it also it is i mean we get stuck in these like we get stuck in these lanes of production that are so obvious and yes. so repetitive what were you gonna ask me i was gonna say talking about design and simplicity and having to deal with complexity and what seems like a non-stop never increasing list of requirements never or ever Never, ne or ever, ever, sorry, ever, ever, ever. Never, it never stops increasing. Right. What do you think about uh, the state of the article page on the internet today? Well, I think it's- In terms a, of consuming news and media. I think it's a, a bullshit. I think it's horrible. I think that, and by the way, I think that the biggest offense of medium and instant articles and Google's, um, you know, uh, what is the, their thing called? It's like rocket, rocket pages or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest offense is that it provides no freedom and no, uh, no way to be truly visually creative. And I, you know, I think like, and this is, I mean, to be perfectly honest, goes to the core of like everything I do and everything I've worked on and everything I will work on in the future. Um, the, the, the open web is an unbelievable canvas and increasingly the colors with which we can paint are, uh, uh, like we, they're, they're, they're expanding mm -hmm. and yet and yet platforms like Facebook, and by the way, I think it's in articles are really useful for a lot of reasons, but platforms like Facebook and, and Medium like think that they, they think that they're solving, I mean, they do solve this like one problem, but in solving that one problem, you, you limit, so you so greatly inhibit and limit like the possibilities of the canvas um, that it's like, I think really damaging. I think that here's the thing. If we had a habit on the internet of taking, of finding a, a good idea and saying like, okay, for the moment we'll ride this good idea. Like platforms will ride this good idea, but we're mm -hmm. going to, we're going to really actively get on making something better because we don't think this is like the permanent state. I mean, you hear people talk about iteration all the time and, you know, sure. Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and all of his engineers talk about iteration and sure they iterate the product, but the reality is we get stuck in these valleys all the time on the internet, these valleys of 
the way we do things, the way we think about things, the way things look. This is getting back to that simplicity thing that I was saying. Mm -hmm. You know, the way ads work. We get stuck in a fucking valley for 15 years. And guess what? People hate it. And now we have to get out of the valley. And everybody's scrambling. And people are using ad blockers at an increasing rate. And there's a reason. Because, like, we were in a valley. We were fucking with people for a really long time. And then they got wise to it. So, you know, all of these things, they create these potential valleys. And if we don't find a way to get out of them, I think it's very, very bad for, I think it's bad for us as, a, as, as, as people. I think it's bad for us as, yeah. as um, if we're, you know, if humanity is constantly trying to push itself forward and expand our, you know, horizons and figure out like what the next thing is. I, you know, what troubles me most about, and I, you know, an instant article or, uh, you know, mediums like, you know, very clean, very simplistic interface is that it, it inhibits creativity and it inhibits um, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, uh, dulls a desire for exploration. So the state of the article, mm -hmm. like it's fucking not terrible. good. It's terrible. Everything looks the same. Everything reads the same. I yeah. mean, it's like, Oh, Look, it's, I, got, I got two words for you. Yeah. Right. Rail. Forget about the right. Ra well, the right rail. Okay. Let me talk. Let me tell everybody a story that I've never talked about before. All right. But I want, I want to talk about it because it's, this is very – because whatever, I'm in L.A. and, you know, that, that uh, non-emoji thing that's like the whatever – what is it called? Oh, the shruggy? Shrug, shrug, that shrug. I thing. love the shruggy. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay. Um, web design, web, internet design has been fucking destroyed by an ad which is referred to uh, oh, by, by designers. Can I, can I guess what you're going to say? I, I can think I guess you the know, ad? Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. It's, it's the three by two. The three by two. Ugh. The three by two is an ad. I don't think most people ever have thought about this. Probably not. I've had to think about it right. constantly. As have I. Yeah. The three by two is an ad that exists in the upper right hand corner pretty much of every web page that's ever existed. Since, this is like, the ad since like the dawn of like of of the internet. Right. This is the ad that's basically the square. It's three hundred pixels by two hundred and fifty pixels. That's right. You is see it, it is on it three by two fifty or is it three fifty by two? Uh, it's three by two fifty. Yeah. You're but right. it's you know, you see it everywhere. Yes. And the moment you put that on a web page. The moment you fucking stick that thing on a web page, yeah. the entire fucking design. Well, this is, is this is when we were at well, Armstrong. I mean, everybody when we were designing Bloomberg. When we were designing, we doing the Bloomberg redesign. I I was like, the three by two. I mean, this was the same at the Verge too. Look, the th this is the thing that the, this is this is why we need to be blowing stuff up all the time, uh, and this is why instant articles bother me or like anything like it. Mm -hmm. The three by two has dominated web design. If you are monetizing via advertising. The three by two must be there. Its viewability is really high. Everybody makes ad creative for the three by two. Mm -hmm. It's the most clicked of all of the things that are clicked. And by the way, you know, the upper right hand thing is always the thing. It's, but so, but what it does is immediately forces your page into this, it forces a system. Because it's there, and it well, has it sets to be off there. a chain a chain reaction yes. of design decisions. Yes, right? and it's terrible. And the ad and the ad industry and and publishers have been complicit in this deal. Right. They've been well, unable. There are, there are amazing, beautiful ads out there that that completely free up design and are better for advertisers and better for readers and like bring the best of what the best advertising and print can be and is and used to be. But the problem, I think, 
from in terms of business is is always is like scale, right? And how long is it going to take for for it to achieve a scale where you can well, launch a website without three by two? I knows? mean, it's basically like everybody's like, well, but the three by two is what we you know we've got inventory. I mean, you've got inventory. We need to plug into it. We've got three by twos. Like, make it happen. I mean, look, it's dumb shit. It's the same dumb shit that that. I mean, look, the reality is, could electric cars be much further along if somebody at some point had said like, okay, we know we're like, we know we're like at the teat of oil at the moment, but that's an unsustainable thing, and we've got to figure something else out. You know, we would have amazing electric vehicles right now. Besides yeah. the Tesla, it's going to be really cool. Don't. To look to in like 20, 25 years to look back on right now and in hindsight, look at where we are with elect, with electric vehicles and oil and things like that. Tom Randall, you remember Tom Randall? Of course, Tom Randall. Tom Randall, great, great talent. Phenomenal reporter uh, at Bloomberg has just been doing amazing piece after piece about the rise of electric vehicles, the risks to that business, the the path that it's on vis-a-vis oil. If you're interested in electric vehicles and their effect on oil and vice versa, check out what Tom Randall's been doing at Bloomberg. That's not an official plug. It just I actually know. It sounds like a plug. I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had, and it brings me back to something I want, when we were talking about TSA pre-check, mm-hmm. like in full circle. I've had, um, so I've been in a bunch of Ubers while I've been in LA and something that I've noticed Consistently, is there are there are many Uber drivers that at least I've had that are Armenian, like okay, in LA, like, like in LA, the vast majority we've gotten into conversations and we've ended up talking about like, oh, where where are you from? Now, and why like, is that? I don't I don't know. I mean, but what was interesting, one of them was like, uh, I was like, so tell me about like how you ended up in LA, and he was like, uh, it was basically like, well, I uh, I went to the embassy and I was like, I want to move, and and they asked me one question. Uh, which was like he had been studying in London and they're mm-hmm. like, what were you doing in London? He's like, oh, I was getting my master's degree. And then they're like, okay. And they gave him a visa and that was it. Wow. That was like the entire conversation. I was like, that's pretty amazing because you hear about, you know, you would think if you listen to Donald Trump uh, or whatever, or like anybody in, in the, in, in Portland, not that Donald Trump's in politics, but you would think, well, one, you, I mean, Donald Trump would probably be very upset to hear that. Um, but you would think it's very difficult to get into the country and we're making it very difficult. Uh, but it doesn't, it's apparently that's not the case. Well, I think it probably, it probably depends, you know? Um, I mean, whatever. I just think, uh, you know, I'm all for people coming here. I think like the more people, the better. I mean, because everybody who's fucking here isn't from here. Well, yeah, everybody. All of I've them. got uh, I've got Hamilton on the brain big time now because I know, saw it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you, and it's, it's like this whole this whole country was founded by immigrants. Of course, I mean it's so insane. Well, I mean, first off, it was taken from people who were here. That's the can't first forget, thing. Can't forget that part by fucking immigrants who were like, I want to go there. <laughs> by people who were like, it seems good there. I want to go there, and it's like, yeah, that's the entirety of America of the United States of America. Sorry, not the entirety of America, but like the idea that this like this idea that I mean. You know, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to go all the way down the rabbit hole on this, mm. but like what people are really mad, uh, mad about is um, what they should be mad about. This is so interesting when I think about this is like the Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, um, how they're like these weirdly, there's two sides of the same coin and mm. almost in some cases are saying the same thing. But, you know, Donald Trump talks about trade and trade policy a lot. And so does Bernie Sanders about how like, you know, how companies that are corporations that are in America have been allowed to at least how the government has regulated what they can and can't do. A lot of like the anger about immigration is actually anger about like jobs and 
business moving out of this country. You know, we're so mixed up about like, there's so much, there's so much confusion about how those things are connected. But at any rate, my point, getting back what I want to, what I want to say is, uh, obviously the, the more people who are in this country who are not from this country, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, but what you were saying about oil reminded me of this conversation with this guy, same guy that I was talking to, we were talking about Putin Okay, and he really, this liked, is the, the Armenian Uber driver, yeah, the Armenian Uber driver. Okay. And, and he really liked him, really likes him. Like he's like, he's a great leader. He's really tough. Okay. And, uh, and I was like, um, we were talking about the future, sort of the future of Russia. And he's like, you know, they've got a lot of oil, you know? And so that's makes, that puts Russia in a very powerful position. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, yeah, but oil's over, you know? And it was like, we had a really just, a, it was like this long conversation about it. And I don't think that he thought about that. And I don't think most people are thinking of it, but like in the next 25 years, like I really is, I mean, there is going to like, oil is going to come to an end in terms of well, like our massive he, need for it. There's here's no, the thing, no right? doubt in my mind that we're going to figure that, out how to do better battery tech. Well, and right now you've got more than one, you've got Tesla, you've got Chevy, you've got Nissan, you've got more than one car company barreling towards producing electric vehicles in the $30,000 range with reasonable battery sizes, so that useful distances. And it's sort of, once they hit critical mass at the right battery size and the right price, that's when you we might start to see a shift. Um, you know, one of the things Tom wrote about, which is really interesting, is that every uh, electric manufacturer gets, I think it's 200,000, um, subsidies from the government. They can hand out to customers, 200,000 cars worth. Uh, but it's not per model, it's per manufacturer. So Tesla is racing to get their, um, the model three, the affordable electric vehicle out for sale. Uh, because right now as people buy Teslas, they're burning through these subsidies. And if they are late in getting the Model 3 for sale at $35,000, then the, no more subsidies will be available, which means instead of it being a 35, or instead of it being possibly for some people like a $25,000 EV, it'll be a $35,000 EV. And that's a huge, huge difference. And they desperately want to get the car out in time for there still to be subsidies available because a lot of people sort of see that sweet spot, that twenty-five dollars to $30,000 range as the moment when EVs could start to go mainstream, assuming the infrastructure yeah, continues but, to keep but, up. But that's a, but isn't that a question of – but isn't that also a question of policy? I mean couldn't we right. – hypothetically, that policy could change sure. and allow for more subsidies? I mean I think that, that – I do think that there's going to be a race at some point and the government's going to be a part of this. I mean if we want to get independent – I mean listen, for, for, for the United States, getting independent of foreign oil is obviously very important. A big piece of that is EV technology. And it's clear to me that, that, I mean, that is like, it's so very, very clear that that is the future for automobiles. And like, I will say, you know, Elon Musk, no matter what he does at this point, no matter what he ever does again, did the most brilliant thing in the world, which is like, and by the way, did what Sony used to do and what Mm -hmm. Apple still does really well. He made this aspirational product that even if you can't buy it, like, Look, there are things that are very expensive that people buy, that rich people buy, and not everybody's like, oh, I got to have that. You mm-hmm. know? But, but he really made a product that was like, everybody wants it. Yeah. Right? Like everybody Man, the, wants one. And it's- The it's, Sony of 15 to 20 years ago was so awesome. You know, like, 
well, I mean, I think of the Sony in the in the 80s. Right. Where, you know, they were kind of riding the Walkman, you know, wave. Oh, I, I had that yellow uh, cassette tape Walkman. Sure. They were all, oh, they were all cassette tapes so in the great. early days. But at any rate, <laughs> but, you know, they used to be this company that, but you remember like the Sony Trinitron. I've talked about this a million oh, times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember like, God damn, I wish I could get one of those Sony TVs. They're so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, like, but they're so good. Their pixels are so tight or whatever the fuck was going on with the Sony TVs. You know, I don't know if they were better or not. Like looking back, yeah. they probably weren't. But They're so flat. But they were very, very good at messaging yeah. that they had this like aspirational – like they, they had a brand that you should aspire to own and have in your, like, your house. But anyhow, the yeah. point is like the, the Tesla thing is, 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 has sparked like a wave and you see it now like, like around here in LA where everybody drives. You know, in the affluent areas, they're all over the place. And like that, the trickle down effect of that is, I think, really strong. You know, I think that yeah, people in the and when they make a cheaper car, but the reality is, like, it just makes sense. It just makes so much sense that we're going to move, we're going to shift towards that. What's so sad is that if you could have gone back and said, let's let's stop like being addicted to this thing, and let's stop being addicted to the idea that it will be the thing that lasts forever, how much further would we be at this point? And that's like the point about the kind of lock in and like the, the way we get stuck on things. You know, I think it's very important to not get too stuck. I mean, at this point, you know, it's like, yeah, electric cars, I'm very, I feel very certain that that's the future. But I definitely, my mind is open to the possibility that there's something else, you know. Right. I mean, you never know. No, you never know. But I think we're going to, I think electric cars actually make a lot of sense. All right. How long have we been podcasting for? Let's see where we're at. Oh, 52 minutes. We're at 52 minutes. I have have another topic for you. Oh, yeah. Lay it on me. I just want to, I'm really trying to, I've looked at my past shows. Yeah. And it's like, I always end up at about like an hour 20. Yeah, I'm trying to see so we're gonna, it's going to be a tight hour today. Yeah, 60 that's, what I, that's what I claim, but maybe 70 minutes. Well, there'll be some ads and some other things. There's an right. intro, there's an outro. Right. I don't I'm want sure ads. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be an hour 20. Yeah, I don't want ads eating into our content. Well, time. what are you going to do? All right, what's the question? New Ghostbusters. Well, obviously, extremely racist. That's the first thing I think we're we talking about the trailer. I mean, it's a crazy. It's, can we just talk about? Let's just be straight up for a second let's, here. Let's let's hit it's it. Three white, the brilliant, the brilliant white scientists. They're all like the best in their field. And then right. they're like, and then you've the got black the, character, the black yeah, music. And she's like, she's like, oh, I work. I I'm a subway employee, and I know New York. And it's like, you know, and here's this like funky car, and it's like, come on, give me a fucking break. Look, I like Paul Feig. I think he's a really so smart I. guy. I, was, I don't I know. I honestly, I don't know how you are working on this movie, and not like, wait a second. This I mean, seems... you want to know the fucking crazy thing is that Winston in the original Ghostbusters, I believe his character had a PhD. So we've gone backwards. I don't even know. I don't remember, but. Hold on. I'm going to Google this just to make sure I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Also, like, I not for nothing, but, you know, it, that we have to have some kind of weird racial parody with the original movie where it's like three white people and a black guy. I, I think like that's also like weirdly racist. You know, like, why couldn't it be two black people and two white people? Like, why does it matter that there's the one black person? Oh, interesting. Here, check this out. Check this out, Josh. Okay, lay it on me. In the original script for Ghostbusters, Winston Zedmore uh, was intended to be the smartest and most capable of the Ghostbusters, a former Marine with multiple degrees and a PhD, making him more suited for the job than the founding three Ghostbusters. However... In the final screenplay, none of these qualifications were mentioned. The changes are discussed in detail in the commentary on the DVD of Ghostbusters, the explanation being Watson allowed the technobabble to be put into layman's terms. So he became a vehicle for translating like the audience's the avatar. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, but that's, that's probably, but really, it's, it's probably just institutional racism doing well, its, its thing. It's like, 
like think blatant yeah. racism. Here's right? the thing: the new Ghostbusters looks pretty fun. It's going to be tons of fun. But I'm sort of depressed about it. Right. It's like, like a, it's just, a missed opportunity, right? Every, every time something like this happens now in 2016, it's a missed opportunity. I just, it's free, I mean, it's just a missed opportunity to be a fucking normal, like act normal, you right. know, like that, that the missed opportunity is like, just everybody's the same. Like, why do like, what is the, like, obviously I'm not ignoring like the history of this, but right. at some point you're just like, who fucking cares? Like make the characters, you know? Like, and I mean, like, but do it fairly, do it like realistically, because that's not realistic. I mean, it's, it's a bullshit trope. It's a trope that is like created by Hollywood that has been propagated by Hollywood. That is something that it has, like, there's no question. I mean, look at the movies that Hollywood produces. I mean, not to get into the whole Oscars thing, but it is pretty clear, you know, like not just with, not just with like black characters, but characters of any person of color, anybody who's not just a white person you know, like Hollywood has a really hard time representing them as like a yeah. fully realized human being. Mm-hmm. It's probably because all the people making the shit are a bunch of white people. <laughs> you know, it's not even their that fault. They have something like, to do They with don't it. realize they're part of like a, they're caught in a giant web of institutional racism. that They can't possibly so, so, understand. Do you know for, do you know for a fact that they were, there was an intention to mirror? No, like, I the, don't know the, for a fact. Make up of the original I don't know for a fact. Cast, I don't know for a fact, but based on what I saw of the trailer, right. I mean, it's, it's there's three right. of the Ghostbusters are white, and that one is black, and that was right. the way it was in the other Ghostbusters movies. Right. So the, uh, the like the built know. in the built in racism aside, I will say that the trailer was phenomenal for about the first fifty to sixty percent, and then it really sort of lost me. It like it started out and it was really like great and original and interesting, and then it just immediately took a right turn into all these movie trailer tropes yeah. that just seem to be all over the place. Was, so the like second modern, half of the trailer really like let modern me down. comedy, like modern comedy tropes. Exactly. Like exactly. people hitting people for no reason. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it why was, they have to end the trailer with that. I it's agree. Just, I'm not actually not, I'm really, I'm not that excited about ghostbusters. I mean, I never was though. Like I wasn't like, Oh man, I can't wait for a new ghostbusters. Yeah. The original ghostbusters is a great film, by the way. I, I mean, it's, say. it's a timeless like, classic. I don't like, care what it is. Like everybody, everybody should check it out. Um, if you haven't seen the new, the new ghostbusters, yeah, uh, there was something well, did else. You see the, did you see the fan recut of the trailer on YouTube? No, it was only about a minute long and it was much better. Hold on. I'm going to try to find it for you. Well, I'm, um, yeah, I'm probably not going to watch it, but oh, come on. You got a minute to spare for this. I'm after. just, I just realized I'm very hungry. I only had breakfast today. You got to eat, dude. I got to eat something. I'm going to get a Domino's pizza delivered over here. Oh, please don't do no, that. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm going to go to some cool Silver Lake restaurant and order some farm to table something or other. What else should we do? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Wait, there was something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, what is it? Oh, I don't know. I, it was, it was a, around the movie conversation, around okay. the racism conversation. It was about institutional racism. No. Uh, I don't know. It's gone. It's hmm. gone. Ten Cloverfield Lane. You haven't seen it. I have not seen the movie yet. I've seen the trailer. John Goodman. John very Goodman. excited. John Goodman. Anytime I see him get hyped up, I'm excited. First off, people are saying it's a great movie. Second, uh, I heard John Goodman on Howard Stern. Okay. I didn't know a couple of things about him. He's been right. sober for eight years. Did you know that? Oh, good He's for re- him. Recovering alcoholic. I didn't know that. And he said that he thinks that he thinks that the um, uh, the Coen brothers kind of don't want to work with him because he was sort of a dick when he was drinking like on set. Oh, which is interesting, which I didn't know anything about. Um, but you know, also very, very, you, I don't know, I guess maybe you might assume this about John Goodman, totally kind of shy, 
very, very mm. humble, like unbelievably sweet guy listening to him talk. I'm going to, I'll seek that interview you out. You should listen to it. Big John I mean, Gibson. Howard Stern is, everybody should, I mean, I don't really care for most of what Howard Stern does. Like right. I think all of his stuff is like really childish and stupid. Yeah. Except his interviews are incredible. Hmm. Why I mean, do you think that is? Because he's just great. He's great at interviewing. He just hmm. is, has knows how to have a conversation with somebody who's like, could be the biggest celebrity in the world and just brings them down to a very human level. Yeah. Very, very, very entertaining shit. I mean, I highly recommend. I re-upped my Sirius subscription uh, hmm. because uh, I was sick of trying to find music on. I subscribe to Tidal, Spotify, and Apple Music currently. Tidal? Really? Yeah, because I wanted to hear the new Kanye record. Oh, God. Oh, that's what I want to talk about. This is not, this is not related to any of the other stuff, but it was, it was in my head earlier that I wanted to bring up because I've been okay. listening. There's this kid named Rory. Have you heard of Rory? No, but I think I saw you tweet about. I this. tweeted. I tweeted about Rory. You got to listen to his record. I think it's called "All We Need." All right, I'll look it, for that. It's fucking amazing. Like it's it's like like if you took. So he's like eighteen years old. First off, mm-hmm. it's like if you took like the Flaming Lips and like Baroque pop from the sixties and Kanye, and like put them in a blender. Really? It's so weird. And that so sounds good. like a very but interesting some combination. Some of it's also like some of it's also like kind of techno. Ooh. Shit. Gotta it's be fucking, careful with that. No, 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 no. This music's just out on a whole other All right. Now it's level. not spelled like you would normally. No, it's spell. not. It's spelled R-A-U-R-Y. Important detail for the listeners. Okay. Very so. important detail. So uh, here's my music recommendation. My film recommendation is in the realms of the Unreal. My okay. music recommendation is uh Rory's new record, which I believe is called All We Need. Can you can you just check that? Can you fact yep. check that for me? One sec, Rory, all we need. Let's see here. The record, it's got a picture uh, yep, of him on the cover. That's, that's it, all we need. Okay, and right. uh, what was her another recommendation? Well, now let me, let, now that you've done, we've sort of summarized our- Yeah, this is good. I'm going to wrap up so, every episode with this sort of thing. My my movie documentary, or my, or my movie recommendation documentary is yeah. Finding Vivian Mayer. Okay. Uh, and my music recommendation is actually, uh, last night I heard the New York Philharmonic perform uh, Messiaen's Terengalila Symphony, uh, which is only the second favorites. time in my life I've gotten to hear it performed live. It ha- It's a massive orchestra with a solo piano and a solo on de Martineau. So Google this. Uh, it's it's basically a, a I believe it's a predecessor to the theremin. It's a sound, especially in an orchestra, like nothing else you've ever heard before. Ooh. It's a tremendously difficult piece to put together, so it's not done live very often. But Olivier Messiaen, uh, Terengalila Symphony. Go find a recording by uh, a, a major orchestra from a big city and listen to it, and it will blow your mind. Okay, this, it's about eighty minutes long. You're gonna have to send me all of that so I can put it in the description of this episode because okay, I'll do that. And just nobody can spell anything that you just said. I know it's, it's, it's impossible. Well, I mean, Rory, I mean, his name well, is Rory's tough too. I mean, you know, he's throwing us for a loop. I mean, this record I'm telling you, I listened to, I actually speaking to going back to Venice. I went into a shop in Venice called vinyl, which is a great store. And they sell vinyl, they sell record players, they sell amps, they sell headphones and they sell records. Mm. And, uh, it's very modern. And I sat down and this Rory record was on one of the turntables and I listened to it in headphones. And it's like, it's like really, one of the things that's interesting about it is like, he does a lot of really interesting bass stuff. Um, like a lot of the music is focused on, on bass, like full on, like, like the bass is like the lead instrument in a lot of oh, the songs. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's like, it's like through a good amp and on a turntable and through good headphones, it's like 
fucking thick. It's like really, really gooey. And uh, I have to say two things. Like when I was listening, I was like, wow, this music is incredible, like really smart and different and interesting. And two, like that I need to listen to more music in that setting, like a really good amp, good turntable and good headphones. Yeah, man. Because it you was gotta, like, you got to give the music, the music, the setting that it deserves. I mean, the bottom on this, like just listening to it, it was like, so it's just gooey. It's like so thick, so gooey. Yeah. So like just, just getting like in the back of your brain, you know, anyhow, it's really look, good. Look for any, if you, if for everybody who cares about how their music sounds, you should Google the death of high fidelity. And that'll take you to a, a PDF of an article from Rolling Stone. Uh, I think it was in Rolling Stone. Gosh, when, in 2007, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, and it's the, the headline is the death of high fidelity. And the, and the deck is in the age of MP3 sound quality is worse than ever. And this was nine years ago. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And I think things have only gotten worse since then. Well, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, but what I can, what I can say is uh, that record, on a turntable in headphones mm. sounds really incredible. And it, it just reminded me that there is something better than like a 96 K MP3 that's streaming. You bet your ass there is. All right. And I think it's a great place to leave it. Michael. Okay. This was of course, uh, as always a great conversation, but I think, I honestly think this was one of our best conversations both look when we personally uh, come in, and professionally. Look when we come in without an agenda, you it creates the opportunity for magic to happen. Wow, this is exactly why we need to focus our attention out of instant articles and onto the open web. Because yeah. like like this conversation, not having an agenda can create perhaps the most beautiful art of all. I agree. The art of conversation. I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about, but I feel like I got somewhere with that last bit. I think I think that was, I think that was good, and I, I would just pretty meaningful. You know, if you made it this far in the podcast, do yourself a favor and uh, don't tweet about it. Don't just think about it. No, 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 no. You could tweet. Definitely tweet about it. That's all right. You got a brand to worry about. This, com- this conversation needs to get out to the world. It needs to be heard on That's vinyl true. through yeah. a great amp in headphones. <laughs> there you go. We should put these on vinyl. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna look into that. How much you should do it a cost? yearly release of like does greatest it, hits? Does it How make many- financial sense if I took all of the money, any of the money I'm making from sponsors, and just spend it on creating vinyl versions of these podcasts? Well, you could do like a Wu Tang thing and only make one pressing. Uh, maybe and Martin Shkreli like- can can buy it. Maybe I can. He get probably him. would. Yeah, he probably would. He tweeted yeah. at me once. I could he get tweeted in touch at me with- once. You know, this is our opportunity, Michael. Well, you know, we're both think fluencers, so. Okay. All right. Let's we wrap really, it up. Michael, thank you doing. again for okay. joining me on tomorrow. It's my distinct pleasure. Yeah. And uh, you'll have to come back. You know I will. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow, of course. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though I understand that Slimer just showed up at your house, and Slimer's acting really, really racist.